Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. Thanks for tuning in to the second mini episode on how to be your own advocate. Today we'll tackle the other three ways that you can do yourself a favor, but first let's do a quick review here of the first three that I talked about in the last episode. Um, I know these two episodes are fairly short and you can really listen to them back to back if you really want to, but it's a fairly dense topic and I wanted you to be able to take a break and come back to it if you need to as well. Um, So last time we talked about the fact that doctors work for you, that you don't have to put up with doctor jargon, there's absolutely nothing wrong for asking for clarification, and lastly, that you should listen to your body and tell your doctor how you're feeling and what you're experiencing, because really, you are the only one that truly knows what you're going through. So with that, let's jump right on in. really dive in here I'm just gonna put a warning out there if you hear any like tip tapping or background noise it's because my dog here has too much energy and is walking around the apartment so (laughs) bear with me if you hear anything in the background Um, but to begin with so we're gonna start with section four so this one is pretty important you are not a cookie cutter So uh, that is actually a term that my mom uses all the time and it really works for her profession as well because she's a personal trainer and so she likes to say that her clients aren't cookie cutters, meaning she's not going to use the same exercise, you know, on someone in their 20s versus someone who may be, you know, in their 60s and about to have surgery or, you know, just there's, there's so many differences in the body for each person you can't treat every single person the same way. So i.e. not everyone needs the same workout exercise plan and um, it's the same thing with medicine. You can't just assume that someone walking in and they have a pain in their neck is going to be the exact same pain in the neck that somebody else earlier that day came in having. That wasn't a great example but I think you get what I'm trying to say here. Every person, the risks of treatment, you know, has to be weighed against how sick they are, if, you know, their body is going to be able to handle the type of treatment that you're considering. So, for instance, you know, in considering maybe surgery or something like that, you would take into how old the person is, um, how healthy they are at the time. You're going to look into do they have any bad habits that are repeated that are maybe going to, you know, make the recovery from surgery a lot harder, those types of things. Yeah, so there's many factors that you'll take into consideration. Allergies, personal and family, medical history, age, gender, um, the list goes on and on, honestly. So yeah, you're not a cookie cutter. Essentially, the point of this is there is no end-all solution that will work for every single person when it comes to medicine. So I know I've talked about seeing the doctor in Stanford quite a bit so far, but even though this is, you know, mostly 
drawing on my mom's memories and stories of this because I was I don't have any memory actually of seeing this doctor there's just so much to unpack from that experience that I just keep coming back to it and I think I'm also still in not disbelief but yeah disbelief that that could happen and um I still feel so genuinely lucky that I had a mom who had her her wits about her and support behind her in order to make the decisions that she did but anyways (laughs) two important things are needed to really see the issue with how that doctor was treating me first of all she was used to seeing males Um, she wasn't used to seeing females and secondly I was born with a rare condition one that she didn't normally see or have very much experience with and uh, when she was experiencing you know treating a child with bladder extrophy it was in a male so not a very common birth defect and you know it's rarely in males I mean I think I've said this before but uh, one in every four children who are born with bladder extrophy are going to be female so three out of four times it's going to be male So even if she had treated bladder extrophy, it was most likely going to be in a male. And so she was treating me based on how all of the textbooks were telling her to. Which, I mean, all of those textbooks at the time, this is in the 90s, all of the studies had been conducted on males so far. So anything in the textbook wouldn't be referring to, you know, my type of body (laughs) so she was yeah treating me based off of what a book told her to do on how to treat a male and uh you know she wasn't listening to anything that my mom had to say and you know how things were going at home and it was just all just quite frankly a recipe for disaster from the very beginning and uh as you guys know only a couple years before my mom was done with the entire situation and uh, we left her care but point being she was treating me like a cookie cutter she took the one thing that she knew how to do and applied it to me even though my case did not match even what the textbooks were saying because I was female not male anyways that is Big point number four, you're not a cookie cutter. Nobody is, so you should not be treated like one. Moving right along, my next big thing is always get a second opinion. I know that's pretty basic advice, and I've probably mentioned it a couple of times in the last one, and that's because all of these main points really do um, weave together quite easily, but really get a second opinion if you're not sure it doesn't hurt you know to have a fresh pair of eyes to look at your medical record your test results you know to look at you physically if you have you know a weird rash or something I mean honestly your doctor should be okay with it if not you know referring you for the second opinion you know you think about it you bounced your ideas off of friends you know I mean I always call, you know, my best friend Jordan or my mom or my boyfriend, you know, whoever I think will have the right background for the type of advice that I'm looking for. I'll call them 
and you know bounce ideas off of them that's that's how it is and it's the same thing with doctors they're bouncing ideas off of each other saying you know this is what I see versus this is what you see maybe we need to look at it from a different point of view entirely you know sometimes they just confirm you know what you're thinking or feeling or you know for doctors you know maybe they just confirm what the other doctor has already found and they encourage the treatment plan that has been suggested to you already which that in itself isn't a bad thing I mean just getting confirmation that what your current doctor has suggested for you is agreed on by another doctor you know that in itself will give you peace of mind that okay we're gonna stick to this treatment plan and we're gonna go through with it and everything will be fine (laughs) you know and if they don't then they'll be able to see it from a different point of view and that in itself is really empowering to be able to see it from a different point of view or from different angles of the situation You've probably even experienced doctors referring you to other doctors, you know, someone who has more expertise than them in a certain area. So, for instance, when I was in Long Beach um, during college, I started seeing a nephrologist. And for those of you who don't know, a nephrologist is a doctor that specializes in the kidneys. And uh, that was at my general physician's urging because my blood work showed that my creatinine levels too high and she wanted their opinion on it since creatinine is actually a measurement of how well your kidneys are functioning and filtering out waste from your blood because that is their function. So uh, this is just a measurement of how well that is actually working. And so while I, I felt fine and I was doing fine and there wasn't anything immediately wrong with me, they wanted to monitor me to make sure I wasn't getting worse, that there was nothing, you know, that those numbers even though they were looking weird they weren't just all of a sudden tanking or anything like that and so after the nephrologist had seen me for a few appointments and had learned about my bladder extrophy and my whole medical past um, they referred me to a urologist as well so at this point it had been three years since i had even seen a urologist and they thought it best that i check in with a specialist in that area as well. So again, everything was okay for me. I wasn't actually sick. They just wanted me to be 100% positive, you know, certain. And because of the varying degrees of specialties and expertise, I kept being referred out to more and more people. So we're getting more and more eyes on all of my tests and things like that. So these second opinions didn't catch anything crazy, but if there had been something to catch, having those extra sets of eyes would have caught it. And that's an example of where getting that second opinion was encouraging because they all confirmed that there was nothing actually wrong, and I mean, that in itself is positive. But point being, they all looked at it and said, yeah, it's fine. Nobody here is disagreeing and arguing with each other about the function of my kidneys. (laughs) So that was good. Okay, so those second opinions didn't catch anything. And that's an example of where everything was great and positive and when everything went well. But I do have an example of when things did not go well. (laughs) So when the doctor in Stanford 
wanted to do that major surgery on me when I was about two, maybe three. And my mom wasn't so sure that that was the route that we wanted to go down. My mom actually asked her if there was anyone else that we could go see for a second opinion. And that doctor flat out told her that there was nobody else that she could refer us to. And there were no other options for me, that this was the only way that I was ever going to be able to have a semi-normal life was if we did this surgery right now. And, uh, you know, my mom's gut instinct obviously was, let's get out of here and find a second opinion. So uh, I'm really glad she did that because if she hadn't, I would probably still be very ill and sickly and would be cathing every single day and I would not have the happy life that I currently have now. And the repercussions of not getting a second opinion would literally have had life-altering ramifications for me and thus it has made my list of rules. Get a second opinion. Just do it. And this is actually, I think, my last one that we're moving into right here. <laughs> Hold your doctors to a higher standard. You absolutely should. There is a much smaller margin of error that, you know, should be okay because it literally affects your health and your life. Of course, people make mistakes and that's understandable, but there's a line of where it becomes unacceptable, where it's not necessarily a mistake anymore, where you can't come back. <laughs> Consistently dropping the ball shouldn't fly, just shouldn't. Hold them accountable when the ball is dropped because you you never know how how many other people that doctor could be failing you know you may not be the only person that that doctor is dropping the ball with so i'm going to use the same story that i used in the article because it's such an extreme story and uh, it was an eye-opening experience for me since this is really the first time i had experienced this since turning 18 and going away to college and trying to manage all of my medical things on my own. Don't worry, I did have to call my mom in the middle of this story. <laughs> Several times, actually. But yeah, so my, again, I know I keep saying it, my condition is not a common one. Most general doctors, actually, that I've seen throughout my life have never even heard of bladder extrophy. So when this doctor at UC Irvine that I began to see um, knew of bladder extrophy, and not only that, but she knew who my doctor was up here in Seattle, Dr. Mitchell, um, and all of the procedures that he had created, I was freaking excited. <laughs> I thought I was going to get the kind of care that I didn't think I would ever be able to get again because I finally had someone who understood what all of my problems were and I even remember calling my mom because I was so excited that I didn't have to explain to my urologist what my condition is. However, the fact that this doctor was so enthusiastic about seeing me and treating someone with this condition because yes she was actually excited to finally get the opportunity to treat someone with bladder extrophy, she used all of those words, should have been a giant red flag for me. but. Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So right from the get-go when I started seeing her, 
she began ordering tests for me. And at first they all made sense because this was in reference to, you know, when I had been referred to the nephrologist for my creatinine levels. And, you know, they were off, but everything looked okay on his end. And just with all of my bladder history, he thought it would be a good idea to loop in a urologist and get their point of view on it. Again, she started ordering me some more in-depth tests just to check. And even though she wasn't finding anything wrong, you know, she wanted to keep ordering more. And it's not like I was sick or having any symptoms. So it's not like, you know, we were expecting to find something wrong. You know, it's not like we were hunting for that one thing that was going to solve all my problems. I didn't have a problem at this point in time. But instead, she uh, decided to order an MRI because she wanted to see more in depth than what the ultrasound that we had already done would show her, even though she said the ultrasound showed the ultrasound, sorry, excuse me. She told me that the ultrasound showed her that everything was fine, but she wanted to see more in depth what we were looking at. I don't know what we were looking at because everything was fine, but whatever, I did it. We did the MRI. And then of course, when that came back and everything again looked fine, (laughs) she wanted to get a cystoscopy, which Just for those of you who don't know what a cystoscopy is, you know what a colonoscopy is? Yeah, now just think that except going up where you pee. Not fun, let me tell you. So it took me a while to realize I didn't actually need any of these tests, but that the doctor that I was seeing just wanted to see everything that had been done to me. That's it. That's all. She wanted to see all of the surgeries that Dr. Mitchell had done on me and how he did them. So she was studying me. That's not exactly what I was hiring her to do, paying her to do. Keep in mind that I was also living in Southern California this time, where it is very extremely expensive to live. I was working two jobs in order to pay rent. And so every time I had an appointment or test scheduled, I had to take time off of work and then I had to pay these tests because, you know, I clearly had money to burn for her to look at me like a textbook. Well, I didn't want to do the cystoscopy, obviously, because that's not fun, but I did it anyways because I thought maybe she just wasn't telling me something and she was maybe saw something and she didn't want to tell me until she knew for sure what it was. I don't know. I made up so many excuses for her in my head as to why it was okay. Point is, I went and I did it. And uh, I unfortunately have too much scar tissue from all of the surgeries that I've had because I've had so many that the test wasn't able to be completed. That's right. She couldn't even complete the test. Not for a lack of trying, of course. Yeah, she actually tried so many times to get the camera on the little tube thing up there so many times that she had actually rubbed off all of the numbing agent that was inside me. Yeah, let that sink in for a minute. And then, guess what I got out of this? I got a urinary tract infection. Yeah. Of course, having bladder problems my entire life, I've had recurring bladder and kidney infections my entire life. 
I have been riddled with them my entire life. And, uh, well, because nothing about my medical history is uh, quote-unquote normal here, my body decided to create its own strain of the infection. So, also, this doctor did not make the time to see me when I had this UTI, and she did not even look at the urine sample that I left for her office to see what strain of the infection it was in order to prescribe me the correct medication. Instead, she just set me up on a generic UTI medication. So, I mean, I know we've all got the pandemic going on right now, and so we kind of understand that, you know, there's different strains of things. And if you are just giving a generic, you know, say vaccine in there, it's not necessarily going to treat the new variations that are coming out. And we have to keep coming up with new, you know, you have to check the strain and figure out what is new or different and figure out the medication based off of that, right? Same freaking concept. So anyways, she doesn't look at the strain. She just sets me up on whatever generic medication she has. Obviously, this did not work. While the medication attacked the symptoms that I was feeling, and I was feeling vaguely better for a few days, it wasn't actually attacking the actual bacteria or virus that was in my body. So when I finished the medication, when I stopped taking pills because I ran out, the symptoms would just come back full force. I wound up missing four weeks of work because of this back and forth of going on the medication, going off the medication. Just ridiculous. Four weeks of work at two different jobs. I called her office several times. She never answered. I left messages with her nurses. She never called me back. Never. During the third week on my third round of the exact same medication, because yes, at this point I have called and had this medication filled three times, even though I have told them it did not work. And I finally caved and I called my general doctor and told her what was going on. My general doctor, by the way, lives in the Bay Area. So I was calling a doctor that was a seven hour drive away who's not a specialist in urology and asked her for her help because the urologist was failing me so hard. And uh, she got my test results from the sample that I left at UC Irvine faxed over to her office. She, my general doctor, studied the strain herself so that she could get me on a medication that would actually do something. She even had to do research because I needed something that a currently common UTI medication wouldn't attack the strain that I had. And so she found this really old medication. Um, I think she said it was from the 80s or 90s and that it actually isn't used anymore. And it's so not, it's so uncommon now that the pharmacy actually had to special order it for me. And I had to wait four days for them to actually have it in order for me to start this medication. But as soon as I started it, guess what? I was back in business and back at work a week later. <laughs> I never went back to UC Irvine. I never saw that urologist again. Not only did she take advantage of me for her own medical curiosity, but when I needed her to be responsive and actually treat me when I was sick, 
she was nowhere to be found. And I can tell you that I had never felt so small in my entire life. I felt like she didn't even see me as a person, but that she had viewed me as her own personal guinea pig to conduct experiments on. In case any of you are wondering, there was a very enraged letter written to her and to her superior and to the board of directors of the hospital from my mom. <laughs> well, guys, that was it. That was the uh, number six of all six of my how to be your own advocate. And the last three for today, again, just as a little recap is you are not a cookie cutter. Get a second opinion and hold your doctor to a higher standard. But I understand it's not it's not easy to stand up for yourself and uh, for some even taking care of ourselves is a struggle going to the doctor is the first step to having better health but uh, that's not where your part in the journey ends you're not just at the hands of the medical professionals be aware of how you are being treated and if you see something wrong with it then do something about it because again you are going to be your best advocate. I hope that you enjoyed these two mini episodes on how to advocate for yourself. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact me through my website, www.bodytalkwithbex.com, or pop on social media and follow me. We're on there as Body Talk with Bex. Thanks for listening, and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>